If you're new to Rooftop, we show a video as a way to make some connections. But this morning, I wanted to tell a brief little story from my childhood that I remembered as I was preparing this week. And I grew up, uh, as those of you who know me, in uh, God's country, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And growing up there, we lived next door to my, our grandparents. Uh, my parents both worked full-time, so during the summers, we had a lot of free time. Grandma and Grandpa lived next door, so we were always going back and forth, eating lunch, running around, causing havoc, whatever uh, we did during those days. And one thing that I remember was always just a staple at my grandparents' house was Coca-Cola. They always would have Coke and peanuts, and it was just always a great little snack. Uh, we loved it. We never, we didn't drink a lot of Coke in my house. So having that next door was always a treat. And I remember specifically one Sunday, we were, or one day during the week, we we're playing football, running around, hot, sweaty, nasty as elementary school boys were. Um, and I remember playing football and we came back into my grandparents' garage. We had just had lunch and I went to grab my Coke. Um, I took a big swig of it thinking that I was going to have the refreshing mixture of sugar and magic, whatever's in Coke. But instead, it was not. Uh, you see my grandfather and my father both chew, chewing, to, chewing tobacco. So um, instead of Coca-Cola, I was greeted with a warm uh, bout of tobacco spit. Now, um, I want to tell you that that's, that only happened once, but that it was not. It happened a lot. Um, and while Jesus might not know about tobacco spit or Coca-Cola, he does know about things that on the outside look one way, but then on the inside are maybe rotten or not as advertised. And in this morning, as we continue on in our sermon series, Religion Redefined, we find ourselves listening to the wise words of Jesus as he talks about this issue, this issue of when things on the outside don't line up with what's going on on the inside. And that's what Jesus does in this famous sermon, showing us what it means to be the authentic thing, the real deal, to be God's people. What does it mean to be God's people? That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. And last week, Matt kicked off this little section talking about giving to the poor, talking about giving and how we're challenged to not do our righteousness, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, in an insincere way. That word righteousness, sometimes another way I like to think of it as covenant behaviors. What are those things that God expects us to do as his people? And Jesus knows that if we're doing the stuff, right? Giving to the poor this morning prayer. He knows that if we're doing these things with kind of, you know, one eye on God, but then the other eye, you know, is kind of one eye on the crowds and seeing how they respond. And he knows that eventually what's on the outside won't match what's on the inside. So let's take a few moments this morning and look at the words of Jesus in prayer and see how we can have that kind of authentic coming together of inside and outside. Matthew chapter six. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who is seen, sorry, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, we know if you are a Christian or you've known a Christian, you know that prayer is what Christians do. And Jesus is saying prayer matters. We should keep on praying. We should keep on giving to the poor. But what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount, he's kind of focusing everything in on God. What does it mean to encounter God? What does it mean to be God's people? It's all centered on God because God knows, God knows, I'm sorry, Jesus, God, I guess technically that would work still. All right. Bad theology joke, sorry. Jesus knows that life has this kind of strange way of squeezing out God from the things, right? That we can do the things God wants us to do, but sometimes life can kind of squeeze God out of it. And it just kind of becomes stuff that we do. So if prayer is one of those things, if it's one of those things that Jesus is mentioning can squeeze God out and he can get lost in it, then maybe this morning we can have an honest conversation about prayer. See, Jesus is talking about people who stand up and babble on and on and pray, and they want people on the outside to think everything's perfect, but it's not really lining up with what's on the inside. Now, maybe you're not used to praying in public, right? Maybe that's not something that happens to you often, but I'm sure there's maybe places in your life especially when it comes to prayer, where maybe it just feels off. It feels like, well, God's people pray. I don't really pray. Maybe having a consistent prayer life is a struggle, and that's okay. But let's just have an honest conversation about it. Let's think about how many times have you, if you're a Christian, you've talked with someone, they've shared something that's going on in your life, and you say, I'll be praying for you. And then you, you don't write it down, you forget, you get busy, and you end up not praying. So what does it mean for us to really be the people we claim to be in terms of prayer? Well, before we dive into Jesus' words, let's, like I said, let's talk about prayer in general. And I began to reflect, and kind of two things came to mind as I began to think about this. Well, let's talk about this. Number one, what is prayer? What is prayer? Simply put, prayer is communication with our God, the source and goal for all of life. Now, I think that's a great definition of prayer because what it does is it challenges us to think about prayer differently than maybe we traditionally have done. Most of the time for me, and I imagine for most of us, when we think about prayer, we think about asking God for things, asking God to do something, to give us something. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should do that. God wants us to do that. But it's very limiting if we think that's all prayer is. That's not really communication. Our definition says communication with God. So think about this. Think about all the different ways you communicate throughout the week. Yes, there, I'm sure there's times when you ask for help, of course. But there's also times when you maybe are sharing a feeling you might have. Or maybe you're just talking about the plans you have for next week. Or maybe you're talking about hopes that you have in life. Or maybe if you're brave enough, you're, you're talking about what you're afraid of. 
Maybe sometimes your communication is formal. Maybe there's like a, maybe a script, things you say and you expect people to say back to you, right? Like when you go to a wedding, right? There's a script, there's formal communications. But maybe in other ways, you're just having casual conversation with a friend, not really talking about much at all. You're just kind of connecting. All of that, all those are various forms of communication that we can bring into prayer. All of those conversations do something. They shape and mold you into a type of person. That's what prayer does. It, it aligns the inside with the outside. So if I was to take that definition of prayer, maybe in like, you know, double click on it, maybe we could say this about prayer from what we call a rooftop rule of life thing that we have. We were made and are being remade to personally commune with our God. So we set aside regular times to quietly listen and speak to him. In prayer, we learn to converse with the living God more deeply. More and more of our lives become prayer through this practice, even amidst much noise and activity. I think that is a great double-click down on prayer. Prayer is just simply that, right? Communication with God. But if we were to really talk about it, I think that's a great definition. But if I believe that, if I believe prayer is the place where I'm being made and remade to personally commune with God, to become a more loving person, if prayer, if communion with God is really the goal and source of all of life, then when I look at, if I say, yeah, I believe that, but I look at my inner life and I look at my prayer life and I think, hmm, do those things align? Hmm. So then I ask myself, that's what prayer is. Why don't I pray more? Now I'll talk about you here in a minute, but for me, why don't I pray more? Well, I, two things kind of struck me. Uh, first is I don't pray because I can kind of get all the stuff that I, that I need, right? <laughs> if I need food, what do I do? I go to the grocery store. Um, or I, you know, convince my six-year-old to go to the cabinet and get me a snack, right? I, I can even go get different kinds of food. I, I, it's at my fingertips. It's easily accessible. Why pray about food? Or if I'm sick, what do I do? Well, I go to Walgreens and I get medicine. If it's worse than that, I go to the doctor. If it's worse than that, they send me to a hospital. If it, I have access to a lot of the things that I need. But I don't know if you caught this, if you're paying attention. Why don't we pray more? All I've been talking to you about so far is getting stuff. But I want to be challenged to think that prayer is more than just getting stuff. Prayer is communicating with God. So just because I have access to all the stuff I need doesn't mean I should be praying less. If anything, it means I should be maybe communicating more with God. Maybe I get, I take moments and I build in things where when I go get food, I can say, hey, God, in a real way, a lot of people around the world don't have access to this, to food, let alone the different varieties of food. Lord, thank you. Thank you that I have the ability to go and buy the food, not even that I need, that I want. Lord, thank you for providing health care. Thank you that if I get a headache or some kind of, I could just go to the store and get something. Lord, thank you. 
even that small little step starts to grow my communication and begins to mold me into a certain type of person. All right, that's enough about me. What about you? Why don't you pray? Now, I will give you a little out here. I think most of you don't pray because no one's ever really taught you how. Maybe that's why prayer is a struggle. Think about all the things that you learn in life, right? You go to, my daughters are uh, pre-K four and first grade, so they're learning a ton of things all the time. But even when you get done with school, right, you, you learn about your job, you learn about relationships, you learn about investment, you're always learning about something. Why then when it comes to matters of the faith, I know sometimes for me, I just kind of assume it's like the matrix and God's just going to download it all into my brain, right? Well, when I get saved, God will just, I'll pray more. I'll be a more loving person. I'll, but that's not usually how it works. Prayer is something we have to learn. Prayer is one of those things that I like to say is better caught than taught. Here uh, in kind of American evangelicalism, and I'm just as guilty of this as anyone, we have this horrible practice called uh, pastoring by book. So you come to me and say, you know what, pastor, I'm really struggling in prayer. I don't really know how to pray. What's the first thing I do? Hey, go read this book on prayer. You know, I want to know Jesus more. I want to grow in discipleship. Oh, here's a book. Go read this book about Jesus. But when's the last time somebody just looked at you and said, hey, can I teach you how to pray? Can I show you what God's done in my life that's kind of helped me learn how to communicate with him? That's just not something we do. What would it look like if you were to say, hey, you know, I really struggle in prayer for us to say, hey, Wednesday night, 630, right here on the back, Denise and the prayer team gets together. I know that'd be a great place for you to spend a couple of months learning how to pray. It's just not something that we're used to doing. But think about it this way. Has anybody experienced the difficulty in maintaining a relationship? You got a friend, you got a buddy, you, you want to keep up, you want to talk more, but you find yourself, it's just kind of hard to maintain it. If it's a struggle to maintain a relationship with somebody you can see, how much more to maintain with somebody that you can't see? And that's what prayer does. It helps us communicate with God. And the more we do it, the more we begin to get aligned, the more we become one person inside and outside. So let's, so if that's what prayer is, and we've identified maybe some things that are challenging in prayer, let's look at what Jesus says about prayer specifically here in Matthew chapter six. I think there's three things. And as I reflected on these, um, I, I've seen these kind of grow in my life by God's grace. Number one, be intentional. Number two, recognize the rewards. Number three, don't worry about what to say. Now, whether you've been praying for four minutes or 40 years, I think there's a lot, I know there's a lot here that can help us grow in that. So let's take a look at it. The first thing, be intentional about eliminating distractions. In verse six, Jesus says it this way. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. We live in a world of distraction. 
Now, maybe for the people in this time, the distraction was you're standing out, you're praying to everyone in front of everyone, and you're starting to realize you're just kind of praying because you want people to think you're praying. That's a distraction in prayer. Go in your closet, close the door, pray by yourself. Whatever the distractions are in your life, we have to be intentional about eliminating them. Prayer is a challenge because we live in an age of distraction. We are distracted all the time. Even as I'm talking to you right now, all the things in here that can distract you, right? These beautiful windows, this can of Coke. Maybe you're reading the words behind me. Maybe you don't like the sound of my voice. I don't know what it is, but there's a million different things that are vying for your attention. I'm going to watch a little football later in the afternoon. But even in that, right, watching football, there's so much going on that's trying to take your attention off of it, right? You get a commercial break where they're trying to sell you this or that. Maybe you've watched the Cardinals game, right? There's a banners behind home plate, right? There's advertisements on there. Or maybe you're a basketball fan and they literally put the advertisements on the jerseys or on the floor. Maybe you're not a sports person. Okay, think about your car ride home. How many things can possibly distract you on this car ride home? You can listen to whatever song you've ever wanted to listen to your entire life. You can finish up that podcast. You can make that phone call. Maybe the kids in the back are being loud. Maybe you're trying to figure out what to eat. Not to mention probably the most distracting thing ever created by human beings. We live in an age of distraction. For us to grow, we have to be intentional about eliminating those. Now, I am easily distracted. I will confess that. That is no secret. I think I am easily distracted. I, I would be fooling myself if I just thought, hey, I'm going to sit here for the next 10 minutes and pray to God. I, I'm easily distracted. That's why I'm indebted to things like the Daily Prayer Project. The Daily Prayer Project uh, is, has been a real gift in my life in terms of prayer. Um, every day, it's got morning and evening kind of prayer rhythms you can do. But what I really appreciate is as you walk through these, it starts off with, of course, a call to prayer, a psalm, but it starts with this small thing, giving God praise. Just taking a few moments and before you start asking, before you start doing this, just simply recognizing all the things God's already blessed you with. That has been really formative for me. It's really enhanced my communication with God because it doesn't just become, hey, here's the stuff I need. It becomes communication. It becomes conversation. And then you keep going and there's, there are, there are prayer petitions, things to ask for. And there are things that I would probably never really think about asking for. If you keep flipping through it, it's got pictures of art that you could have a conversation with God about as you reflect and look on it. There's songs in there. If you practice witchcraft and you can read music, uh, there's songs in there for you to read. Um, I cannot do that. So it just looks like squiggly lines. And what that's really helped me is, especially in this, I asked a few people about their prayer life this week. Um, and I asked, talk to me about prayer. And what they, most of them said is what I say is, I start thinking about all the other stuff that I should be doing. I start thinking about all the things that's going on in my life. One way, one thing I started doing is I stopped worrying about that 
And whatever my mind just kind of went to, I just went there with God. So maybe I sit to pray and I start thinking, oh man, uh, I need to pay that bill. I forgot about paying that bill. Um, Instead of, okay, no, 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 let me go back to praying about holy things, right? Um, No, 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 no. Lord, okay, I need to pay this bill. Thank you for giving me the ability to pay this bill. Um, Help me remember to pay this bill so that in my prayer time, I'm not always forgetting things and Lord, just kind of help me. Even in that simple little exercise of maybe not feeling like I got to only pray certain things and block this out or that out, but just going there with God. Secondly, recognize that there is some reward to be had in prayer. Jesus says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Three times in this chapter, specifically here at the beginning, God says, God will reward you. We shouldn't be nervous about doing things for rewards. I know that might sound strange, right? We're kind of programmed to, you shouldn't think that. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Read that. He rewards those who seek him. Now, the the tricky part is that the reward might not be what we think it is. Jesus is going to, in a way, double-click on this verse here in a little bit in Matthew chapter 7. In a couple weeks, we'll get there. But the reward might not be getting what you're praying for. What I have found in my life is most rewarding has been knowing and recognizing becoming aware of how near and close God really is and of how much he really cares about me and loves me even in the small little tiny things of life. And the more I do that, the more of my life kind of just becomes quiet little quick conversations with God. It becomes less of like a laundry list of Lord, do this or do that or please help me with this, please help me with that. It it begins to become more of a relationship. Now here's where it gets challenging. Be honest, not out loud. Be honest with yourself. Does that sound like a reward? If you had a choice between everything you praying about you receiving and coming true, right? If every time you prayed, God would do it. If you had to choose between that and Instead, being made and remade in love and becoming a more loving person and becoming more aware of God, which of those would you choose? But even in that question, right, it challenges what we think about prayer, right? Is it just asking God for stuff or is it communicating with him? Because if we believe that it's that, that it's communication with God, then there will be a great reward in that. We will be made and remade in love. We will be aware of God. Finally, don't worry about what to say. Jesus says, and when you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus, once again, challenging the people around him, and us in prayer. Listen, um, 
You don't have to make a spectacle of prayer, okay? There's no formula that if you pray this certain way, God's going to take care of everything. That God will give you what you want if you ask a certain way or donate enough money. God knows what you need before you even ask it. So it's not a matter of aligning the words the right way. God is not impressed with our eloquentness in prayer and he's not turned off by a lack thereof. The good news is that he just wants to be there in the midst of it. Now, what follows this passage, we're not going to talk to this morning, we're actually going to talk about it in two weeks, is the Lord's Prayer. Now, does it sound strange to anyone that Jesus would say, don't worry about what to say, and then, okay, here's something to say. Here's the Lord's Prayer. Well, it shouldn't, because he's not giving us a, hey, every time you pray, you have to say these words. Although they're great words, and I do pray them most of the time when I pray. What I found them to be is a format of prayer. Prayer is not a formula. It's, it's a, there's a format to it. Because here's the deal. Like, if you commit yourself to communicating with God, being intentional about not getting so distracted, of knowing that he's going to be there, Instead of just answering the list, which sometimes God graciously does and is incredible, really what he does and what I've experienced is he more kind of cues you and me in on what's going on in life, what's going on in our hearts, what's going on around us with those we love. That's more about what God is wanting to do through us in prayer. And when I begin to pray the Lord's Prayer, it becomes, I said, kind of a format. And what I found is every time I go to kind of pray and when I take time to kind of sit down and pray, I usually open up with the Lord's Prayer. And what I found is that as I keep praying, my prayers kind of begin to fit into that format. I begin to think about, okay, how can I glorify God next week at work? And I begin to find that more of my life becomes, as I mentioned, those little quiet conversations. It happened to me actually yesterday. Um, yesterday, my family and I, my wife and our two daughters, we went and met our, uh, my wife's sister, Lindsay's sister, for lunch. And my, as I said, my daughter is, my oldest daughter six. She's in first grade. They're learning about trees. So she has a project right now where she has to go and gather leaves and tree nuts and seedlings and all these things. And they have to build a little bulletin board thing about trees and it's awesome so we go have lunch and my and you know before that we're like well maybe i'll take the girls out on a hike we'll gather up some things but my wife uh who i didn't listen to at first but then when i realized yeah and then i woke up and realized i should um she said hey while we're out here why don't we just go over to lindenwood college they have like beautiful little park area trees the girls can just pick up stuff and once i finally submitted and stopped being myself I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. We should do that. And I'm glad we did that because we pull up and, you know, being as distracted and maybe not as present as I should be and a little tired. I was just kind of like, okay, girls, you got, I'm going to open the door. You go run through this field, pick up stuff. You got 30 minutes. I'm going to sit here and figure out what running back to start next tomorrow in my fantasy football league. 
But as they're doing that, my daughter says, hey, dad, can you pick me up and put me in this tree? Then I was like, oh, okay, sure. I put the phone down, I go out, and what I thought would be a quick little 30-minute stop in the park and ended up being in almost an hour and a half, I think, of putting my daughter up in a tree, climbing over around the tree, looking at the little cicada shells, you know, having 15 minutes of, okay, just touch it, right? Just put your finger on it. It'll be okay. There's nothing in there, right? And it became, as I pray in the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, it became a, a quick little moment of that where I wasn't as distracted as I usually am. And we were just enjoying one another, enjoying God's creation, which is what heaven will be like one day. Now, did I go home and like fall on my knees and take an hour to praise, oh, Holy One, for this blessed hour? No, I didn't. But later in the evening, I was able just to have a few moments to say, yeah, Lord, thank you. That was great. And that's how the Lord's Prayer, as I begin to pray it, it begins to kind of shape and help me see things. I want to end with this, two just quick little things. What I found in my life over, gosh, probably the last seven years, and I have a long way to go in my prayer journey, is that as I've implemented some of these things, one thing that has kind of brought the inside and outside into alignment is the way I deal with people. Now, listen, there are times when my life is tobacco spit, okay, and not the sweet nectar of Coca-Cola. Sometimes I'm short with people. Sometimes I'm distracted and I'm looking elsewhere, thinking about what to say next. But I've gotten so much better at not just trying to prove everybody right with how smart I am or how many Bible books I've read or how wrong they are. I began to just realize, you know, in prayer, God receives me for who I am. And every time I go to him in prayer, he's not giving me like a lecture on my theology or how I'm reading the Bible wrong or that pastor that said that thing I didn't enjoy. He just simply receives me and listens to me and is present with me. And what I found myself doing as I've given myself to prayer a little bit more over these past seven years is growing in that area myself and desiring those similar things. I just want people to leave a conversation feeling loved and cared for. I want people to leave it, not worried about me winning this conversation, but them to just feel loved and cared for. I have a long way to go in that journey, but I can see the reward. I can see it trickling out more and more as I give myself more and more to prayer. So the final thing as we close, um, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? I want to give you an encouragement. So I'm going to give us a little bit of encouragement. I'm going to pray for us. And then the band's going to sing us a uh, place of music, have a chance to enter in with God here in prayer. And here's my encouragement to you. Maybe before you Go pray in the prayer closet and eliminate the distractions and seek the reward and all those things. Here's my challenge, hope to you. Do you want to be one? Do you want the inside to match the outside? God wants that for you. God wants to give you that gift. He wants to give you that reward where the things you say line up with what's going on on the inside. 
That's an incredible blessing that God wants to do. Do you want, I want that. The older I get, the more I just, I just, I just want to be one. I just want to be whole. I just want to be the person who does what Jesus does. Even in the small little areas of conversations in life, do you want that? My prayer is that you do. And I'm going to pray for us. And my maybe challenges, maybe as I've been speaking, are there places in your life that you feel like aren't really lining up? God's not here to judge you. He's not here to scream and yell at you and browbeat you over that. He's here to gently maybe pick up those parts and bring them back into alignment.